Uh, Life on Mission with Jesus. We are at week six, I believe. And if you're like, man, I'm behind, that's okay. Let me get you caught up. Uh, Jesus has called us to live a life on mission with him. He's told us what that looks like. It means going and making disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And he says, surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. So we've been wrestling. What does it look like to be a disciple? What does it mean to make disciples? And what does it look like to do that in every aspect of our lives? Because Jesus goes with us wherever we go. And so we've been talking about what it means to be a disciple. And we define being a disciple from Jesus' invitation to his disciples when he says in Matthew 4, 19, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so in this passage, we get the definition of a disciple, someone who is following Jesus, someone who's being changed by Jesus, someone who's committed to the mission of Jesus, Matthew 419. And so you've got your sermon notes. We've got uh, slides up on the screen for you to kind of journey with us in this process this morning. And so we've been asking ourselves, what does it mean to follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, committed to the mission of Jesus? And he goes with us wherever we go, every single relational sphere that we have. What are those relational spheres? Let's take a look at this graphic. Uh, first, it starts with an abiding relationship with Jesus. If you want to make disciples, you've got to first be a disciple. You've got to choose to follow Jesus and have an abiding relationship with him. And he says in John chapter 15, uh, if you abide in me, you're going to produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do, you can do what? Nothing. You can't do anything apart from Jesus. And so if you want to make disciples, if you want to be on mission with Jesus, it starts with you having a relationship with him. And as you follow him, he's going to lead you into the people of God, the church. He's going to call you to real relationship, to work through conflict together, to work through your holiness, your sanctification, to becoming more like him. God calls us into real relationship because that's what actually thrusts us into maturity, is real relationship. Real relationship is what thrusts us into the mission. Because we learn how to love well. We learn how we're broken in certain areas and, and how we can grow in those areas. And it requires endurance and relationship. It also means being equipped for mission. It means learning how to serve, lay your life down, and to be a, 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 a disciple who begins to be, look more like Jesus. So he goes with us in our relationship with him. He goes with us in our relationship with the church and with people. He also goes with us in our marriages, in our family. We talked about what marriage looks like last week and oneness in marriage and how we're called to be a people that uh, love our spouses well. And we're called to be a people that if you're single, to live out your singleness well. And that God calls us to be a church, a family that actually we actually experience real relationship, not only in marriage, but in the church as well. Now we're talking about kids. How do we make disciples and lead our kids? How do we love well with our kids, how do we point them to Jesus? How do we disciple them? What does that actually look like? I don't know about you, but um, I, uh, I'm in a point right now in my walk with Jesus when it comes to walking beside my kids that uh, I've got an 11-year-old and uh, a 10-year-old, and then I've got little Theo, who's almost six, and it's gotten crazy. Like, the pace is not slowing down. And I've been told from some of you that are further along in this journey, like, it's not going to slow down. Like, it's just going to get crazier and crazier and crazier. And here's the thing you need to understand that I'm wrestling with in this stage, in this moment as a parent. Am I keeping Jesus and his kingdom front and center in the midst of all of it? That is a tension that I'm wrestling with as a parent right now. Is Jesus... Is his kingdom front and center in the midst of all of it? And I think for all of us as, as parents, we need to be reminded on a regular basis about what's most important, don't we? I do. 
I need other people saying, Justin, is this what's most important? This is what I experience. I need other parents around me that help me continue to keep the true north, the true north. In a world that is going to distract, divide our kids from what the true north is, how do I, how do we as parents continue to come back to over and over again what Jesus is calling us to do as a disciple in my home, in our homes, being a disciple maker, how do I make sure Jesus continues to be the true north, his kingdom, the true north? Luckily, we've got a whole lot of people that have already walked this path before us. We've got God's word that actually shows us what the path actually looks like. And Jesus actually talks about it in Matthew. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 22. Jesus is causing trouble because that's what Jesus does. Uh, he's got the Pharisees that are mad at him, the Sadducees that are mad at him. They're coming and asking all these different types of questions about what's really most important. And after he silences the Sadducees, which is a group of Jewish believers that uh, were in charge of actually temple worship and were in charge of, of, of actually uh, uh, administering the sacrifices in the temple, he's fighting with them, but then the Pharisees step up. The Pharisees get together and they're like, let's, let's try and test Jesus. So one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all, the, with all your, what's he say up there? With all your what? Your heart? With all your, and with all your, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus is essentially saying, this whole thing, all of my commandments are tied to loving God, with everything of your being and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's all summed up in that. What we don't realize oftentimes when we read Matthew chapter 22 is Jesus is actually quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. What's Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy is written 1,500 years prior. And it's written from Moses and a bunch of different writers talking about the journey of the Israelites taking the promised land that had been given to them by God and them actually taking hold of it. And Deuteronomy is actually written to the Israelites to remind them of what it means to follow God and not only follow God, to not make the mistakes that their previous fathers and, and grandfathers and mothers and grandmothers, the mistakes that they had made to make sure they don't repeat those mistakes. And so Moses is getting them ready to take the promised land and giving them commands of what it means to actually live according to how God wants them to live. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we get the most descriptive passage of what it actually means to lead well in the home. No other passage in all of the Bible talks more plainly about leading in the home than Deuteronomy chapter 6. It is the playbook for which we as parents should take a look as to how we're supposed to model and live our lives as we walk beside our kids. So what does it say in Deuteronomy chapter 6? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. There it is. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What is this? Amongst the Jewish people, 
this first part, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6, verse 4, is called the Shema. Everybody say Shema. Shema is a prayer that was said every morning and every evening. If you were an Israelite, if you were a Jew, you would wake up and you would say this prayer every single morning. Shema Israel uh, Adonai Elohim Adonai Hichad. You would say that prayer every single morning. And this prayer is a declaration of the reality that God is one in a polytheistic culture that believed in multiple gods, that there was only one God. But not just that there was only one God, that your allegiance, that my allegiance as a follower of, of Yahweh, as a Jew, my allegiance is to only one person, one being, God. He is number one in my life. We talk about the Pledge of Allegiance. This is a Pledge of Allegiance as a Jew that he is the one and only true God and I will choose to worship him. And every single morning and every single evening, a Jew would say, this is who I have my allegiance to. This is who I worship. This is who I follow. It is you, God. It sets the trajectory of their day to remind them who they are, who God is, and who it is that they serve and they worship which really brings us to number one point of what it comes to discipleship in the home. Discipleship in the home starts with you making God one over all. Priority number one and taking personal ownership of your faith. I want you to notice it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Moses is, is telling the Israelites, and God is telling the Israelites through Moses, you need to choose who you worship. You need to choose who you serve, and there's only one God that you choose to worship and serve. It's Yahweh. It's Adonai. Elohim. Only one that you choose to worship. And it requires us every single day, if we're going to lead in the home, it requires you parents, you to decide, is God number one in your life? If we're going to walk beside our kids, it starts with us. It starts with you. Choosing to model for them what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Everything that you have. God has given you the role of being the primary discipler in your child's life. It starts with you. And here's the thing. If you choose to vacate that responsibility, the world will take it. If you don't disciple your kids... The world will, and the world is. The world is. It starts with you. Loving God first with everything that you have. And so here's my question for you. The Jews, they, they prayed every morning and every evening. What does your rhythm look like with the Lord to impress the commandments, his word, into your heart? What does your rhythm look like? The worship team led us this morning. Who sets the, the pace and the tone and the rhythm for this worship team? The drummer, right? The drummer's always like the bass player. It's the bass player. No, no, it's the drummer. It's the drummer. They're fighting, you know? No, I didn't miss that beat. You did, right? All right. It's the drummer. Boom, 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 boom. What is your rhythm? What is your cadence? of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength? Do you wake up every morning remembering the trajectory of your life of where you're going and where you're heading and what is number one? Is it the things you got to get done that day? 
Or is it relationship with God? How are you impressing God's word into your heart? How are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength? Jesus said it plainly. If you, whatever you want to accomplish in my kingdom, you can't do it apart from me. All the other things, yes, life has to happen. Yes, we have to go to work. Yes, we have to get stuff done around the house. But are we doing it with the Lord as he goes with us? What does it look like to show our kids and to remind ourselves what really matters in this life that we walk as disciples of Jesus? God is calling you to disciple your kids, but it's got to start with you and the Lord. And here's the reason why. is because as you walk with the Lord, it is out of that overflow, out of that relationship, that discipleship actually takes place. Discipling your kids comes out of the overflow of your own faith. Look at this in verse 6. These commandments that I give you today, they need to be on your hearts, Moses says to the Israelites. These commands I give you, They need to be on your hearts. Why? Verse 7. Impress them on your children. If it's not on your heart, you're not going to impress them on your kids' hearts. It's got to start with you. If you're not following Jesus intentionally, you can't show your kids how to follow Jesus intentionally. All of discipleship comes from what Jesus and what people have given you as you follow Jesus. And whatever Jesus has given you and shown you and taught you, It's not meant to be held on to. It's meant to be given away to your kids. The commandments that God has given you, his word, is meant to be impressed on your heart so you can impress it onto your kids' heart. And you can't give others, you can't give your kids what you haven't already received. If you haven't received forgiveness, it's hard to forgive others. If you haven't received peace, you can't give peace. If you haven't received hope, you can't give hope. You can't give what you have not received yourself. And you have to be intentional with the authority that God has given you as the primary discipler in your child's life. You have to be intentional about that authority. God's given it to you. He's entrusted it to you. And he's calling you to walk beside your kids. And here's the thing. This is what I've noticed. I was taught this. And I knew it, but now I'm experiencing it. Every single day as a parent, the moment your child is born, your authority is at the highest level that it'll ever be. I mean, your kid, it really can't do anything apart from your authority when you bring it home, right? Like, you don't bring the kid home and be like, hey, glad you're here, kid. Uh, If you need something to eat, go to the fridge. It's right over there. If you need a steak, there's some steak in there. You can thaw it out, throw it on. You don't do that, right? You've got to nurture your kid. You gotta walk beside your child. That kid, that child cannot do anything apart from your authority, but every single day, your authority goes lower and lower and lower. And those of you guys that have teenagers, you're like, oh yeah, I don't have any authority over my kid. Like, <laughs> right? Every day it's going lower. But Lord willing, your influence over your child should be growing every single day. Lord willing, that they would come to you because you're a safe parent. Say, Mom, Dad, I'm struggling and I need your wisdom. I need your perspective. And that you would receive them just like we talked about last week. We talked about transparency and vulnerability. 
that you would actually be a safe person for them to come to you and talk to you about the hurt and the brokenness and the, the questions, the doubts that they're struggling with. But God's given you authority to walk beside them, to impress his commands on their hearts and to show them the love of God and the relationship of God that God has called you to, to walk out. Relational discipleship, it's built on a daily structure, you guys. Notice verse 7, impress these commandments on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you, what's it say? When you what? When you lie down and when you get up. There's a daily structure of coming to God's word. Of coming to God's word and talking about it together as a family. Wrestling with the word of God. This daily structure allows God's authority of his word to speak to the heart of his children. I'm telling you right now, if you've got an infant, if you've got a toddler, if you've got a kid in elementary school, in middle school, and high school, are you opening up the word of God together every day? Are you doing that? That's what you're called to do as a parent, to open up the word of God. You might say, kid's only three months old. Start now. Start the habit now. The Bible app for kids, if you've got any kid that's in fifth grade or younger, you should have the Bible app for kids on your phone. It is one of the most tremendous resources to help our kids love the word of God, to learn the stories that have been passed on from generation to generation about God's word and his commands, about these characters that are a lot like us, trying to follow Jesus, trying to follow God, trying to figure out what life looks like. Are you spending time together as a family impressing God's word, God's command into their hearts when they lie down, when they get up? Here's the thing. If we aren't doing this, there's lots of other things that are getting pressed on our kids' hearts. You know the list. Sports, pressed on our kids' hearts. Arts. And I'm a sports guy. Lots of things that God can teach us in sports, in life experiences that mold us and shape us. But guess what? If it's just sports, we're missing it. Social media, TikTok, YouTube, those things aren't bad. But how much of our time are we devoting as parents to walk beside our kids and to teach them God's commands over and over and over again? The voices of the world are loud. But we as parents get the awesome opportunity to help navigate what it means to follow Jesus and hear his voice over and over and over again. Relational discipleship is not only built on the daily structure of God's word, but it's also built on teachable moments. Notice what it says in verse 7. Talk about them when you sit at home and then what's it say after that? When you what? When you walk along the road? When you lie down and when you get up? What are teachable moments? These teachable moments are shared experiences that lead to discussion about the relational qualities of who God is. These experiences move the child's understanding of God conceptually from the head to their hearts. It becomes, God becomes a person they have a relationship with. 
Not just his word, not just his commands, but, but the things of life that teach us what God is like, the, the struggles that, that our kids have, the, the, the relationship they have with the text and with God. It's these moments that pop up that we have the opportunity as parents to capture. Teachable moments come when we intentionally listen and watch our kids' hearts and listen to the Holy Spirit. It requires us as parents to be present if we're going to experience this, as Deuteronomy chapter 6 talks about. And when these moments pop up as parents, we have to capture the moment. We have to be present with our kids to dive into what they're wrestling with, the conversations about who God is and his commandments. We've got to be ready to ask questions even of ourselves. And what Jesus is showing us and teaching us and what the Spirit is teaching us. What does that mean? What does that look like? Let me give you an example. And honestly, it's hard for me to like give you examples because there's a part of my life that like this is just kind of what I do with my kids. But there's one moment, one moment that I'll never forget that seared this into my brain, into my heart as to the role I play as a, as a husband, as a father to my kids. No, I think it was about five or six years old. And we've been doing this daily structure of God's word on a regular basis, right? And we took all the youth kids up to Bogus Basin in the middle of winter to go sledding up on the hill. Um, and as we get done, Noah's having a blast, but as we get done, we start heading down the windy Bogus Basin Road. And Noah just out of the blue goes, Dad, isn't the snow just beautiful? And I'm like, yeah, it is beautiful. And in that moment, like I could have just moved on. But in that moment, I don't know why, the Holy Spirit said, ask him why. Why does he think it's beautiful? Why is it beautiful to you, son? What, what is it you see? What, what do you like? Because it reminds me, Dad, of how God washes us as white as snow. That he forgives us and he cleanses us and makes us new. And like almost slant on the brake, like, blown away right what does that say about who God is no like what what do you what are you learning that he loves me that he forgives me like you're right man talk about God talk about his commandments when you rise up when you lie down when you walk along the road, which we don't walk a lot anymore. We drive, right? But like, same thing. We drive. And we talk. And we wrestle. And we ask questions. And here's the thing. This week was an awesome week for me and Noah because we got to go deer hunting and he got his first buck this week. It was amazing. Loved it, right? So you guys are hunters, you're like, yeah. If you guys aren't hunters, you're like, you, right? <laughs> Ew. Um, it's all good. Like, we can all worship together. It's all good. Um, we don't all have to be hunters. But um, I wish I could tell you more stories of what we talked about this week. But guess what? Whatever's set on the mountain stays on the mountain between husband and son, or father and son, right? It stays up there. Lots of conversation. Lots of conversations because he's going from fifth grade to sixth grade next year. You guys remember that transition? Lots of things he's going to have to navigate. We're talking about it. Talking about how to navigate it well with Jesus. 
What about you? Are you present with your kids? So that when the Holy Spirit asks you to ask a question, that you can talk about his word as you go about your day, as you go about things, because God is with you wherever you go, and he's with your kids wherever they go. Do you talk about them? Do you talk about them? Number five, relational discipleship leads to living a life of action on mission with Jesus. Look at what it says in verse eight. Tie them, tie these these commandments as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The Jews took this literally and put scripture around their wrists, scripture on their forehead to remind them that what they think and what they believe matters and how they live their life matters. And for us, all of our beliefs lead to action. They lead to a life, a life different than the rest of the world operates because our God is different than how the world believes and behaves. And the reason why that is is because we're a set-apart people. We're a different people. We're a people that bring heaven and earth together, living for Jesus' kingdom, not for ourselves, ultimately to love God and to love others. To love God and to love others. This is the whole point of Deuteronomy chapter 6 is that we'd be a people set apart on mission with him to reconcile the world back to him. And Jesus is looking for partners. Jesus is looking for partners to to show our kids what it means to love God well and to love the world well. Now, some of you are listening and you're going, I don't have any kids, man. Like, I'm only 21 years old. I don't have any kids. Like, this doesn't apply apply to me. Well, it does apply to you because maybe one of these days, Lord willing, you're going to get married. And Lord willing, God's going to bless you with kids. Guess what? Learning how to spend time with the Lord so that you can impress it on their kids starts now. Starts now for you. Number two, I can speak for myself and and maybe for a good chunk of the people in here. My kid need spiritual aunts and uncles walking beside them. I don't want my kid to be the only one that hears from my voice about what it means to love God and love others. I need as many voices as possible speaking into my kid as possible in different ways, saying the same message. Because here's the thing. You ever ever had, you know, your spouse, you tell them the same thing over and over and over and over again for three months, three years. And then finally, their buddy comes home and says, hey, you ever think about this? And they go, that's a good idea. And then you go home and go, I've been trying to tell you that for three months, three years. Why are you listening to your buddy and not me? I don't know, right? The same is true with my kids. You know how thankful How thankful I am for the people in this church that walk beside my kids to say the same things I tell them, that they're loved, that they're forgiven. And that just because they're a pastor kid doesn't mean they have to be perfect. Do you know how thankful I am that of all the teachers my kids have had, the vast majority of them have been Christians? Because their teachers aren't just teachers. They're disciples of Jesus to understand that in their very sneaky, wise, and serpent ways, they can still talk about the kingdom of God in the classroom. You say, I don't have any kids. I'm not discipling any kids. I don't have any kids. Guess what? My kids need to hear your voice. 
you can disciple kids and we I, I want you to disciple my kids I need you to speak into my kids and the rest of the parents here I'm guessing you need other voices am I am, parents am I, am I not the only one you want other people walking beside your kids pointing them to Jesus if you're older you got grandkids love on those kids love on your grandkids grandparents like you have no idea no idea the magnitude the magnitude of the weight of your voice in your in your grandkids' life I don't have any grandkids adopt some adopt some there are kids in your neighborhood there are kids in this church that don't have a grandparent pointing them to Jesus but you could be that you could be that. Great-grandparents. Be a great-grandparent. My kids don't have any great-grandparents. Be that for a kid. Walk beside them. Here's the thing. I grew up in the church in a normal American Christian family. What does that mean? We went to church like 1.6 times a month. I don't know how you go to church 0.6 times a month, but that's what the average Christian goes to church that often. We didn't even go to Sunday school, which the super spiritual people did that. They did Sunday school, then they went to church after that, right? We didn't even do that. But somehow, some way, through the Spirit of God, God worked in my heart. Went to church camp and accepted Jesus in July of 1994. October 4th, 1994, I got baptized. And slowly, my family walked away from the church. And slowly over time, priority of just even going to church wasn't there. Not even praying over meals was a priority. Every now and then we would open the Bible because we had those like old school encyclopedia Bibles, like the stack of like 20 of them that just sat in the closet and collected dust. Anybody have any of those encyclopedia Bibles? One person? Okay, me and you. Two people? Okay, let's talk about those afterwards because they were kind of weird. Anyway, um, that's the only time we opened the Bible. Like I'd just be bored and be like, well, I guess we'll open the Bible, right? But there was a disciple maker that came into my life. And that, that person was Bill Krause. And Bill Krause invited me into his home. Bill Krause invited me over for dinner. Bill Krause modeled for me what discipleship looks like. How so? Just because I was there, it did not change their routine. What, what routine are you talking about? We had dinner together. All of his kids cleaned up dinner. And then they got their pajamas on. And then after that, they all brought their Bibles out and they did time together as a family, opening up the Word of God. And then they went to bed and they didn't get out of bed again, which I was like, how in the world does that happen? Kids get out of bed again. No, this kid's like, they listened and obeyed. I was like, this is weird. This is weird. And then his kids went to bed and then we talked about life and we talked about what I was struggling with. But I sat there in awe as he impress God's word onto their hearts even though a Bible college kid was at their house that night. He didn't go, oh, we won't do it tonight. Oh, no, we got people over. No, it's a, we'll just go to bed. No. Nope. We open up God's word. Bill modeled that for me, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And now my kids benefit from that discipleship. Now my kids, Lord willing, 
We'll continue to walk with Jesus. And Lord willing, our grandkids will walk with Jesus. And that's the vision. That's the hope. That's what actually we're looking at. We're looking at making generational legacy of an impact from the gospel. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, the earlier part of it, verse 1, look at this. These are the commands, Moses says, decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children, notice that? So that your children, and then what's it say? Their children. After them, may fear the Lord your God so long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. This is what we're called to, church. You've probably heard it before. It doesn't take one parent. It doesn't take two parents. It takes what? It takes a, a village. It takes all of us. And so what does it look like for you as we wrap up today? When it comes to take home, what is it that you believe God is calling you to wrestle with? Number one, discipleship in the home, it starts with you. You cannot disciple your kids apart from a relationship with Jesus. And it's a daily conversation. It's a daily conversation. It requires us to be devoted to God over and over and over again, to choose His voice above all the other voices. I was reminded again this this fall. Uh, Noah loves football. He loves baseball. He loves hunting. He loves all these different things. Those are all great. Those are all good. But where does our ultimate devotion lie? And it was about, I don't know, a couple more time, I don't know how many times, three or four times, he'd come home after football practice, Dad, I'm really tired. Can I just brush my teeth and go to bed? I said, no, you gotta read your Bible. I said, hey man, like, help me understand. What's going on? I'm just tired. I get that, man. I get being tired. Let me ask you this question. If I come home every day and I chose not to speak with you because I was tired, how would that impact you in our relationship? Because that probably wouldn't go very good. Yeah, it hurt. Our relationship would break down, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. Well, that's how it works with you and God. God wants to speak to you. And when we're devoted to all these other things, but not to God's word and not to him, relationship breaks down. That makes sense, Dad. Guess what? Never was tired the rest of the football season. Because he's reminded, oh yeah, God's voice in my life is what matters most. Above everything else. So what does it look like for you to be committed to God's voice and to your children walking beside God's word. You can't give your children what you haven't received yourself. Discipleship in the home won't happen by accident. You have to be intentional about putting the word of God in your kids' head, heart, and mind. Number four, be prepared with teachable moments by creating shared experiences. These come with shepherding our kids' heart and listening to the Holy Spirit. It means capturing the moment where we get to impress the word of God, not just from the head, but to the heart. 
Lastly, there's some of you that are here this morning that you're struggling as a parent. You feel like you're losing the war. You feel like your kids' heart are being captured by the enemy, by lies, by the world. And you're doing the best that you can with everything you have to help point them to Jesus, to help value God's word. There's some of you that have kids that have said, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't believe he's real. I don't believe the word of God is real. I just want to tell you, you're not alone. You're not alone. If the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and there are other parents here that are struggling too, you're not alone. There's a group of people here that want to love you in the midst of the difficulty you find yourself in as a parent. You're not alone. So would you be willing to say, I'm struggling? Would you be willing to say, I just need prayer? And we can pray and we can walk beside you. Not tell you how you failed as a parent. Not tell you all the things you've done wrong, but instead just be with you and encourage you to just keep being faithfully following Jesus. Lastly, if you're still trying to learn and grow and figure things out, these resources that for me and Allie have been super helpful. Maybe there's a book that you're going, you know what, maybe we should dive into this a little bit more. I want to encourage you, dive into it. Dive into it. Whatever your next step is, I want you to pray about two things as we get ready for communion. Number one, What is Jesus convicting you of, challenging you of this morning when it comes to following Jesus and being the disciple maker that God's called you to be in your home with your kids? Maybe you've never accepted Jesus and that's your next step. If I'm gonna call my kids to follow Jesus, I've gotta choose to follow Jesus. Maybe it's surrounding yourself with other parents saying, how how, how are you doing this? How'd you do this? What'd you do well? What'd you not do well in? But what is Jesus convicting you of this morning when it comes to being a disciple maker in your home? What's he challenging you with? And number two, would you pray over your kids this morning? Now he's saying, I pray for them every day. Pray for them again. And would you be able to do this? Pray for the kids in this church. Some of them you know by name. Would you pray over them? Would you pray over the kids in your neighborhood? Just yesterday, I'm unloading Noah's deer into our freezer and his two friends just show up out of the blue like hey guys you want to help us unload a deer and they're kind of like oh it's good it's okay it's just steaks and hamburger okay they come over and i go do you guys hunt and they go no we don't hunt we want to i go does your dad not hunt and they both say my dad's in jail Those kids need to be loved on, pointed to Jesus. So if you got kids, pray over your kids. If you don't have kids, pray over kids that you know in this church, in this community, God's called you to be a disciple maker. God's called you to be a disciple maker. Let's spend some time praying about those two things as we get ready for communion this morning.